Hey everyone, welcome to Be The Change. My name is Lily Mott, and today I'm going to be talking about how change comes at the intersections. My guest this week is Rhea Goyle, and I am really excited to be sharing her story with you. Rhea is the author of the Gen Z book, as well as an intersectional feminist, social good advocate, and an activist focusing on racial justice and the environment. I don't wanna give anything away about Rhea or her book, so without further ado, let's get started with this episode featuring Rhea Goyle. Okay, hi everyone, my name is Rhea Goyle. Um, I am a senior in high school, but I will be a freshman at Barnard College next year. Um, I am very excited to be here and I am recently the author of the Gen Z book, which is out on all retailers, all platforms. And um, in my last four years in high school as a gender equality and environmental advocate, I have worked with the Working Group on Girls to the United Nations, Girl Up, United Nations Foundation as a teen advisor, Girl Scouts. Um, I wrote STEM curriculum for them uh, for all ages. And um, I've worked with the Princeton Student Climate Initiative, the New Jersey Student Climate Advocates. And I've started a couple things at my school, like the fencing team, which is co-ed and throughout the district, um, Meatless Mondays uh, as an initiative for the school and the well-being of the school, um, and the Girls Up Club at the high school that I go to for women empowerment. So those are kind of some of the things I've done in the past four years, and I'm excited to continue my journey into the next four and beyond. Definitely. That is a great start. And I'd love to go into your background a little bit more. Can you tell me some about the experiences that you've had or maybe if there were any challenges you faced that got you to the point where you felt like you really needed to become an activist and get involved in this work? Yeah, I think when I first stepped into high school, I was just so lost because I couldn't find spaces that really resonated with me. Um, and of course, you know, at every school, there's something you can find that, you know, resonates with you or um, some sort of club or activity. But I didn't really find that. And, you know, out of the my high school is huge. Over 2000 kids go to my high school. And you would think that, you know, you can find something. But for me, I was just like, I care about gender equality and the environment. I don't see either of these things really being worked on at the high school. I don't see people being passionate about it. I don't see a space created for people to rally around this issue. Um, and so that really made me start the like Women Empowerment Club at the Girls Up Club at my high school. And I think that was like one of the biggest things that really pushed me into becoming a intersectional feminist and a gender equality advocate outside of school too, because I wanted to make sure that these spaces were equitable for girls in specific to advocate for. And I want to distinguish that really quickly because girls and women are, yes, all females, but they're also not the same. Um, girls are 18 and under, and there aren't usually spaces for girls to, you know, amplify their voices or to amplify the issues that they care about and that affect them. Um, and because we don't have these spaces, there really isn't being much done to cater to the needs of girls in specific. Um, and so that kind of transitioned my way into my work with the working group on girls, which is all about 
uplifting girls in specific um, and making sure there are spaces for girls in UN policy. But back to kind of my high school thing, I think my, uh, my kind of advocacy in high school really paved the way for my advocacy outside of school. I started the Meatless Mondays program, being a vegetarian my entire life. Um, and that kind of transitioned me into environmental activism. Um, and then the fencing team was just kind of something I felt like wasn't there at my school and I needed to fix that. So yeah, a lot of things, but I think it, it, it all is so intersectional. And that's why I call myself an intersectional feminist because everything overlaps, everything has an intersection in some way, shape, or form. Um, And I think it's really beautiful. So, yeah. I love that. Yeah, I think that's a great way to look at things. So, of course, I'd love to talk more about the book. And can you start off by giving me a quick summary of what the book is about? Sure. Yeah, so the book is titled The Gen Z Book. I wrote it pretty much during my quarantine. um, And I found a publisher, did the pitching process and kind of went from there. Um, uh, The book really stemmed from me scrolling on social media and seeing the hashtag Gen Z like everywhere. I saw it, you know, on TikTok, on like on all platforms. It wasn't just specific to one. And I was like, okay, I know I'm Gen Z, but like, what does that mean? (laughs) What, what does that like mean for us as a generation? Do people care about Gen Z? Like, what are the defining characteristics? And like all of these questions for me really led to research first. And then I was like, okay, maybe this can be something that people care about and will read about um, because our generation is so diverse and so large and really just so new to the world because we're redefining constructs every single day. Um, and I think that's really cool. So yeah, the book is really about Gen Z <laughs> and really anything you'd like to know about um, us as a generation. We, I talk about things from collective trauma and mental health to the role of technology in our lives and how it will be changing in the future. I really cover a lot of issues. And I think the way I do it is by interviewing people in and out of Gen Z. Um, and I think that's the coolest part about it. You don't just hear from me, you hear from all of these other um, people. I interviewed a lot of people from all different, you know, um, professions. I interviewed cooks and I interviewed, you know, consultants. So you really get the entire spectrum of Gen Z and people who care about Gen Z. Um, and my goal in you reading the book is for you to care about Gen Z and realize why we are such an important generation. Um, and so, yeah. Yeah, definitely. What were some of the biggest takeaways you had from writing the book? Was there anything that you thought was really surprising or maybe anything that you weren't really expecting to find through your interviews and all of the research you did? Does anything like that come to mind for you? Sure. I think what I was mentioning before, collective trauma, like I think that's probably the most interesting take from the book. It, I didn't even think about it, but um, obviously we know mental health is definitely a big issue for Gen Z, but what I talk about in terms of collective trauma is we have so many shared experiences as a generation because of the internet. We're able to kind of like feel the same things or at least process the same things in different ways um, because we're all going through a version of the same thing. Of course, everyone has their own traumas and own, you know, uh, lived experiences, but collective trauma is kind of all the things that we've experienced collectively. So that could be the 2008 crisis, financial crisis, and kind of the effects of that. 9-11, living in a post 9-11 world. Most of us have been born either very like right around there or like after 9-11, even the 2020 pandemic and, you know, kind of the um, effects of 
coronavirus, you know, that's a huge thing. So all of these, like, there's been so many like life-changing kind of events that's, that have happened and we're seeing things like racial injustice and um, police brutality, all of these really, really heavy issues in the most formative years of our lives. And we're dealing with that because we can see people hurting from a screen. Before, you know, you would hear or read about something, um, you would maybe see like a television video of it, but it didn't really resonate as much as that video being on your personal device. And that's something that's really defining about Gen Z because we have so much empathy because we're seeing these things at such a young age. And that really sets us apart from other generations who don't really understand the gravity of these issues. Um, so I think that's like a really interesting concept. And I talked to Professor UC Berkeley about that one in the book. So definitely my one of my favorite parts of the book. I also think like how we use social media is so interesting. Um, and I, I explained the sides of TikTok. And I, I think that's also a really cool part of it um, because you can't market one product to Gen Z in specific. It, you have to like have a niche of Gen Z. Like we're so large and diverse and expansive that you have to like market to only a part of us or it won't resonate with us at all. Um, so I think that's kind of cool too. That's really interesting. And do you have any plans for another book now? As of now, um, I mean, I, I'm just kind of living in the moment with the, <laughs> the release of this one, but I'm fully aware that it will have to be updated and it will change as we change as a generation. So potentially Gen Z book part two could happen, could be in the works. But as of now, I think I'm just going to live in the moment with this one. Yeah. Yeah, that definitely makes sense. And through all of your interviews and your conversations, I'm sure that you've gotten some great advice from people. So I would love to know what some of the best advice you've gotten. Are there any words of wisdom that you try to live by? Anything like that? Yeah, I have two. So one is from Dr. Seuss and he as a person is problematic, but um, the quote is really great. And it goes, you are you, that is truer than true. There is no one alive who is you than you. And I'm pretty sure people have heard it. It's a fairly like not, um, you know, niche quote, but I, I take that really personally because I think your journey is so like unique. And I think something that a lot of activists experience is imposter syndrome and it's really hard to overcome. It's really, hard to realize that you're different and you're worth it and your journey is like valuable. Um, and so I think that that kind that quote really just made me realize that no one can be me. And I don't mean that in an egotistic way. It's more of like my journey is just so unique to me and everything I do is can't really be compared to another person. And so I just need to keep striving and doing what I want to do best and it'll all work out from there. And I don't need to compare myself to another person in order to be more successful. I think that's that quote really helped me with imposter syndrome and really framing myself in terms of like how I can keep going on my journey without having to compare myself with others, um, if that makes sense. Um, and then my other little life advice. I, I think I saw it in a movie or something. I don't know who said it, um, but it, it goes, uh, you can't change the way the wave breaks, but you can change the way you ride it. Um, and I think, I think it's from like a surfer movie too. It could be, but I think it's so cool because 
the the wave you can't really change what you've been given or you know what circumstances are thrown at you or what life throws at you um but you can change the way you handle those circumstances and you know the way you ride the wave <laughs> um so yeah i think it's like the coolest thing i think it's so relatable and so true to everything that life gives you um and i think that's what every person is trying to do you know really just handle what life is giving them with the, the best that they can do. And so I, I kind of like that. I love that. And that's actually one that I haven't really heard before, but it's really true. So thank you for sharing that. Um, if you could share one thing for like 30 seconds with everyone in the world, if there was one thing that you wish everyone could know about Gen Z, maybe about the issues you're advocating for, one thing that you wish you could share with everyone, what would that be for you? Um, I probably talk about intersectionality. And it, it, I think it's the best thing I could talk about in 30 seconds because it frames everything. Um, you know, I like to say that Gen Z is very intersectional too because we look at an issue more than just that issue. We look at the intersections in them. We look at racial equality and then we see people of color. We, you know, look at feminism and we see um, environmentalism. You know, there's so many different intersections. And so I think I would just say, intersectionality, a concept coined by Kimberly Crenshaw, my absolute icon. Um, you should learn about it. You should um, understand what it means. And I think it's so essential to every single advocacy issue, every single issue that we have in this world, because you need to look at everything through intersections of that umbrella issue, or else you can't move forward in an equitable way. You would you can try to make systems more equitable, but without intersectionality, you can't achieve that. And I hope that makes sense. Definitely. That makes sense. That's a really good one. So I have one more question for you. Lots of young people want to create change. They want to make a difference in the world, but they may just not really know where to get started. So do you have any words of wisdom that you'd want to share with them? Yeah, I would say find an issue that resonates with you that you're so passionate about that you would kind of do anything for it. Um, you know, what's that one issue that like you could go on a rant about for hours and hours, you know, um, or what's that one issue you read in the new year a lot about? Um, and if that, if once you find that, um, find opportunities around you. I think starting locally is just the best because I know a lot of people want to intern with like the biggest organizations or like, you know, want to go up to national or international like right away. And I think the best way to understand an issue is to work at it from your local community and where you are located. And so I would find local opportunities, whether that means if it's feminism, because that's what it is for me, you know, volunteering at Women's Health Center or like Planned Parenthood, or there's so many different ways that you can take um, an issue and also find like the specific intersection that you're really interested in. So if you're really interested in advocating um, for feminism, being a person of color, there's so many different opportunities. Maybe you want to do um, feminism and environmentalism, you know, that's a different issue. So you can definitely find interesting intersections that even bridge two issues that you're really passionate about and then work at that with your local community and then kind of work your way up from there. Um, I think that's probably the best. <laughs> yeah.
I really liked talking with Rhea, and I cannot wait to see what's next for her. If you're interested in reading the Gen Z book, definitely check it out. You can find it on all platforms, as Rhea mentioned. And she shared some great advice. And my biggest takeaway from our conversation was just how important intersectionality is in activism. Different people are affected by different issues, but no matter what issue or issues you're really passionate about, it's important to recognize that they're all connected in some way. As Rhea encouraged everyone to do, look for those connections because change comes at the intersections. Thank you so much for listening to this episode and you can follow Rhea on Instagram at Rhea.Goyle underscore to get connected with her. If you want to talk about anything I mentioned, please reach out to me by email at lily at bethechangepodcast.org or on Instagram at bethechangepodcast. Tune in for my next episode, but until then, be the change you wish to see in the world. Bye, guys.